chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. Working our way through the book of Genesis, uh, just hitting the highlights. We are now on Genesis chapter 11. Should be able to find it quickly, all right? If not, it's the first book of the Bible, okay? <laughs> okay. Genesis chapter 11. We're just going to read verses 1 through 9 today, all right? Verse 1 reads, Now the whole earth had one language and one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city, and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one, and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they ceased building the city. Therefore its name is called Babel because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of all the earth. Uh, today, before I open in prayer, I want to just use the title, Wanting to Be Where Everybody Knows Your Name. Lord, we thank you today for allowing us to come and to hear your word. I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds as we look at this text. Pray that you would teach us how to um, apply these things to our own hearts, uh, because sometimes we're all tempted uh, to seek our own fame and our own glory rather than seeking yours. I pray, Lord, that you would um, help us to see uh, this text and um, help us to see how um, a reputation um, is a good thing when it is used in order to glorify you. We thank you now for all these things in Jesus name. Amen. Most of us are familiar with the 80s sitcom Cheers. You probably remember sitting in front of your old box television with rabbit ears waiting to hear, making a way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries, it sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? (laughs) Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see the troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. At its deepest level, isn't that what the human heart wants? To be in a place where people know and love you. Wouldn't we all like to be norm on cheers that every single time we walked into our favorite place, they would scream, Norm! Okay, I mean, I, I think that would be just like the coolest thing ever that every time I walk into the church, I'm like, Pastor! Okay, 
That'd be like <laughs> just the greatest thing ever, right? But uh, in, in some ways, that's exactly what we are describing when we say people desire or want to be famous. They want to be in a place where everybody knows their name. Now, it's harder to see this when it comes to adults, but it's very easy to see this um, when we talk about middle school kids or high school kids or college-age kids, right? Um, uh, during, you know, middle school, high school, or, or college, right, uh, people are willing to do literally anything just to be known, right, just to have a reputation, just to be famous, right? Um, I, I won't even go into... Uh, some of the stuff that I've done, <laughs> right, just in order to be known. But virtually everybody wants to be popular. Right? E everybody wants uh, people to know who they are or to be in the in crowd, right? And if you were to just pause for a moment and think back on all the things that you yourself have done just to have a good reputation, right, um, some of us, some of us might smile, some of us might hang out here in, sh in shame, right? <laughs> sometimes we've done some things that are good, and sometimes we've done things that are bad. Now, it's harder for us to, to recognize this with adults, right? Sometimes we, we think that um, as we've gotten older, we've gotten out of this, but isn't this what we do at work? When, when, when we're trying to, you know, chase after a promotion or wanting to be recognized for the things that we have done, sometimes we're willing to go to any length in order to be recognized. We're willing to throw dirt on our coworker in order for people to know our name. I think the same thing is being described in the text before us today. God created mankind to be fruitful and to multiply his image over all the world. But instead of being spread out over the whole world, those who laid the foundation for the city of Babylon wanted to be in a place where everybody knew their name. I want you to look at verse 4 in Genesis chapter 11. Verse 4. Well, I'll take the time to read uh, verses 1 through 4 again so we can see it all in the context. It says, now the whole earth had one language and one speech. Okay, Everybody had one language and one speech. Everybody was exactly the same. Okay, No distinctions. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, let us bake br make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had brick for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. My proposition today is not that it is wrong to desire a good reputation. It is that it is wrong to seek a good reputation in opposition to the will of God. A reputation is a good thing as long as our purpose and goal is to glorify God. 
God's judgment comes when we seek our own glory. And I think that this is exactly what is taking place in Genesis chapter 11 here. The people are in opposition to what God has desired. Now, remember from Bible study that I um, showed us how um, this is the third time, the third time in Genesis chapter 11, I mean, 1 through 11, where people are opposed to doing the will of God, right? We see in Genesis chapter 3, God is design, has a design. He tells Adam and Eve not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, but they rebel and sin against God by eating from that tree. <coughs> in Genesis chapter 6, we see that um, God destroys everyone off the earth, right, because they were sinning and only uh, Noah was found righteous in his sight, and so he judged them in their sin. And here again in Genesis chapter 11, we see that God has told mankind that they are supposed to spread out over all the earth, right, multiplying his image, human beings around the world. And in rebellion, they decide they're going to pick a land for themselves and make a reputation for themselves in opposition to what God has said. Now, again, I don't want us to, to think that uh, being famous or popular or having a good reputation is, is a bad thing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to show you just two places, again, so I can stay on time and we be out by 11, just two places in the Bible, 12, and two places where having a good reputation, um, uh, the goal is to glorify God. Okay. Now, the first place is in Genesis chapter 12. I want you to see how Genesis chapter 11, with the people picking a land for themselves and trying to make a name for themselves, compares to what God says to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Now remember, in verse 4, they picked their own land, they wanted to build their own city, um, they want to make their own tower whose top is in the heaven. And they're going to make a name for themselves. But listen to what God says to Abraham when he calls Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1 reads, Now the Lord has said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, to a land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great. And you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, notice in Genesis chapter 11, they picked a land for themselves. They made their own reputation. But notice what God says to Abraham. Abraham, go to the land that I will show you. God picks a land for Abraham. He says, I will bless you. I will make you a great nation and I will make your name great. So you see, everything that mankind is desiring for themselves and pursues for themselves in their own ambition and for their own glory, God desires to give to his people without their own effort. God provides the land. 
God provides the reputation. God provides the blessing. I want you to turn to the New Testament, to 1 Timothy chapter 3. 1 Timothy chapter 3. give you a, a moment to get there. I'm going to read verses 1 through 7. This passage is uh, probably familiar to uh, most of us. <coughs> it's the section where Paul gives qualifications for those who want to be pastors or those who want to be uh, in the preaching ministry. Listen to what he says. He says, verse 1, This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good thing, a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he falls into the same condemnation as the devil. Verse 7. Moreover, he must have a good testimony a good reputation among those who are outside meaning those who are unbelievers lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil now notice here paul gives these qualifications for someone who desires to be in the gospel ministry and he gives all of the, these lists of qualifications right and then he says that in addition to that this person must have a good reputation amongst people who are non-believers, right? Now, why is that so? Because those people who are in ministry, right, this, the ministry is all based on reputation. People have to trust and believe in you. We can't see God, right? So the way that we get to know about God is by watching you. You have to have a good reputation. But just like in Genesis chapter 12, the good reputation doesn't point to the person. It points back to God. So there's nothing wrong with being famous or popular or having a good reputation. As long as you make sure that it is not about glorifying you, but that it ultimately points back to God. Now, what I want us to see <coughs> It's not only is it important for human beings to have a good reputation, it is also important for God to have a good reputation, right? Literally, um, we could walk through tons of passages um, about this, but every single thing that God has ever done has been done to make him famous. The only reason God acts is in order 
to make sure that he has a good name. Now, wanna, I'm going to read a couple of passages really quickly. Um, you don't have to turn onto these verses. I'll pull them up on Google. Right? <laughs> so I have them all listed out here. Right? So I can read them really quickly. Um, but listen, I want us to see in, in, in the text that every single thing that God does is for his reputation. Okay? Now, we get the benefit from it. Right. But God is acting for his great name. Number one, what I want us to, to see in first Samuel, chapter 12, verse 22. You can write these down and look at them later. First Samuel, chapter 12, verse 22, is that God won't forsake his people. Because of his great name. First Samuel, chapter 12, verse 22 says, for the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. So the reason that God will not forsake you once he has brought you to himself is so that he can maintain his good reputation. Number two, uh, all of us are familiar with the 23rd Psalm, okay? Uh, but verse 3 tells us that God leads us in the path of righteousness. Why does God guide us? This is what David says. He says, he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. The reason that God guides his people in the right path is so that he can maintain a good reputation. Number three, why does God forgive sin? Psalm 25, verse 11, for your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great. God forgives our sin, not because of us, but so that he can have a great name. Why does God save people? Well, we all know the answer to that is because we're just so great. God picked me just because I'm such a great person, right? God loved us so much, he just doesn't want people to go to hell. That's not what the Bible says. Psalm 106 verse 8 says, Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. See, salvation has very little to do with us. And it has everything to do with God. Yes, you get the benefit. You don't have to go to hell. But the reason he does that is not because he doesn't want you to go to hell, but so that you can praise him for his great power and grace. It is for his reputation. Why does God give us mercy instead of wrath when we sin? Why doesn't God just punish all of us when we sin? Isaiah chapter 40, verse, uh, I'm sorry, Isaiah chapter 48, verse 9 and verse 11. For my name's sake, I defer my anger. For the sake of my praise, I restrain it for you, that I may not cut you off. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do it. For how should my name be profaned? My glory, I will not give to another. So the reason that God gives us mercy instead of wrath or punishment is because God is doing it to maintain his good reputation. 
Now, on the flip side, why does God punish people when he does? <laughs> is it because God is just mad and he just just outbursts of anger like a parent? You know, you're just getting you're just annoying. You get on my nerves. I want to be at peace and, and you're, you're disturbing my peace. So I just have to have to get you in, in check. No. The reason that God does punish people when he does is for his own reputation. Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 9. But I acted for the sake of my name. And he's talking about how he disciplined the nation of Israel, sending them into exile. But I acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations among whom they lived, in whose sight I made myself known to them in bringing them out of the land of Egypt. Verse 14. But I acted for the sake of my name that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nations in, in whose sight I had brought them out. Again, Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 22. But I withheld my hand and acted for the sake of my name, that it should not be profaned in the sight of the nation in whose sight I had brought them out. Chapter 20, verse 44, same chapter, verse 44. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I deal with you for my name's sake. Not according to your evil ways, nor according to your corrupt deeds, O house of Israel, declares the Lord God. So, God won't forsake his people. God will guide his people in the right way. He will forgive sin. He will save. He will give mercy instead of wrath. And he will also punish his people all so that he can have a good reputation. For the sake of his name. All for his glory. Now. I want us to. Think. Go back to. Uh, Genesis. <coughs> because we see that God is working for his name. For his glory. For his own praise. And oftentimes, we as sinful human beings, we're acting for the same purpose, <laughs> right? For our glory, for, for our praise, right? And that will all be fine and good, but there will always become, there will always come in a day of inspection, a day of inspection. We see here that God decides in chapter 11, verse 5, to come and inspect what the people in Babylon are doing. The, the, they laying the foundation for the city of Babylon. God comes to inspect what they're doing. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Okay. They say, come, let us build a city, make a tower whose top is in heaven. Okay. Let us make a name for ourselves, unless we be scattered ab abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Now, this tower that they were building is probably a reference to, um, to a ziggurat. Okay, so they would have been the originators of this idea of building the, this temple. Uh, most of us are familiar with a ziggurat. It's kind of like, a, like a, a tower, and each level is a smaller than the, than the layer before. Okay. And so 
they believe that they are building this tower, right, whose top is in the heavens. Probably not a reference to actually building it into the heaven. I assume that they didn't realize they could build a tower that tall. B- but they believe that they could create a central place of worship where people could see from a mile around that would give them a great reputation. And notice, no matter how high of a temple that they can build, they could never build a tower tall enough to overcome God's sovereignty. God is the one who sits high and he looks low. No matter how high this temple is, it says, let us go down and see what you, they have done. You can never build a reputation that will put you higher than God has placed you. <laughs> now, the, the funny thing is that when God comes to inspect, he uses the same language that they use. Look in verse 4 where it says, they say, come let us build the temple. Notice what God says in verse 7 in his judgment. He says, come let us go down and confuse their language. You see, they think that they're in charge. They're giving the commands, let us do this. And God says, let me tell you what I'm going to (laughs) do. Because any time you work in opposition to the declared will of God, God will always exercise punishment. Now notice what God's punishment was. They were, had one language so they could be unified in everything that they did. And the Bible says that God says that because of their unity, they are able to do anything they put their minds to do. So I'm going to bring confusion. (laughs) He confuses their language so that now they're speaking different languages. They can't communicate properly. And because they can't communicate properly, they can't work together. He destroyed their unity by bringing confusion. Now, maybe sometimes there's confusion in our lives because it is the result of God's judgment because we have not made it our aim to glorify him. Sometimes we are working diligently to bring about our own plan, our own will, our own goals, and yet we find ourselves frustrated and confused because we are not aiming um, to have as our aim and our goal and our purpose the glory of God. Now, after hearing uh, a message like this, and, and usually after all messages, what we're tempted to do is to try to, um, to think that we can work hard enough to glorify God, right? So, so I, I have all of these plans. I'm trying to do all of these things, and, 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 and there's confusion. There's a problem. Nothing is going my way. So what do I do? All right, God, I'm just going to glorify you in everything, <laughs> okay? And, and so we think that, that the idea that we need to do is, is what we need to do is just put in more effort at trying to glorify God. Again, we think the solution is putting the focus back on ourselves. That if I just do something different and work a little harder, I can bring about the glory of God. Again, the focus is on us 
and not on God. Because if you just work just a little bit harder <laughs> and glorify God, again, it's like, Whoo, look, look what you did to glorify God. We are utterly broken. So in order uh, to fulfill uh, the glory of God, in order to do any of the messages that I, that I give us, right, we have to focus not on ourselves, but we have to focus on the one that God has already given the name that is above every name. It's not about making a name for yourself. It's about focusing on the one who already has the name that is above every name. Reference in Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. You remember there it says that God has highly exalted Jesus and given him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. Now, I want to wrap this up, right? Um, I want us to, to see that I'm not in any way trying to, um, to get us to go out and do anything, okay, <laughs> right? Because glorifying God doesn't start with our own actions, right? It starts with trust. It starts with resting in God. It starts with recognizing that only Jesus can glorify God fully and properly. And so what we have to learn how to do is put our rest and our trust in Jesus and recognize that he knows exactly how to live his life through our lives in order to glorify himself. So now in this life, you may be a nobody. <laughs> you might walk into a place and nobody knows your name. <laughs> you may walk into a place and everybody hates your name. <laughs> okay. Or you may be the most popular place, um, a person, the most famous person. You may be the person who, who goes in and, and, and gets all of the recognition, all the promotions, everything. But either way, you should try to allow Jesus in all of those things. If you're nobody, right? I don't know why the song just came into my mind. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody, right? It, it, it doesn't matter if you are a nobody or a somebody, you should be focusing on resting in Jesus so that he can live his life through you to glorify himself. And when you focus on trusting in Jesus to be able to glorify himself best through you, you can rest in the promise that he has given each and every last one of us who rest in him. We find this promise in Revelation chapter 3. I want you to turn there. I read the scripture and then I'm done. <coughs> Revelation chapter 3. We're all familiar with uh, the seven churches that are, that are listed here in chapter 2 and chapter 3. I want us to look at the promise that God has given 
to the church of Philadelphia. Not Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Okay. <laughs> Listen to the promise that Jesus has given them. And this promise, I think, is for all of us. For all of us, Jesus says, for all those who have overcome. But if you recognize in John's writings, those who overcome are those who have put their trust in Jesus. Okay. Those who are Christians. Listen to what he says in verse 7 of chapter 3. And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. I know your works. See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it, for you have a little strength, have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Indeed, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are, that they are Jews and are not but lie. Indeed, I will make them come and worship before your feet and to know that I have loved you because you have kept my command to persevere. And I will keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have that no one may take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go out no more. I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God. And I will write on him my new name. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. Now notice what Jesus says here and what he promises. <coughs> Jesus does not promise that every single person that puts their trust in him will be famous. Right? As a matter of fact, history uh, shows that most people who put their trust in Jesus live obscure lives and no one knows them. Everyone is, is chasing trying to be on TV, at least most preachers are trying to be on TV so that, so, that, so that people can know who they are and know their ministry and make a name for themselves. But the only thing that Jesus really has promised is that you will be persecuted for my namesake. <laughs> okay. That's all he's promised in this life. If you make a name for yourself and people know who you are, people know your ministry, they read your books, that's great. But he hasn't promised us a good name. He's promised us that he's going to write, write on us his name. His name, his praise, his glory, his reputation. He is going to, in the new heavens and the new earth, he is going to give us his name. And that is our hope. That is our glory. That the king of the universe, the one who created all of these things, if you are a nobody, you are somebody to the king of the universe. He will give you his own name. Now, I pray that 
you know, after listening to this message, sometimes we can can feel like, you know, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm working, I'm doing all of these things and it's just not cutting it, especially as men. Right. Um, you know, Adam sin. God says you're going to work from the sweat of your brow, but you are going to be frustrated. The earth is not going to produce for you the way it used to. So you're going to you're going to work and feel and, and, and experience this frustration. And, and, and sometimes we feel we should just give up because it's not working out. I'm, I'm not getting the, the praise or the glory or, or the, the benefit that that I wanted to get from this particular job or outcome or situation. What I want us to to encourage us on is stop focusing on our own glory and rest in Jesus. And, and, and when we humble ourselves enough to rest only in him, right, he has promised, one, because he's put out his spirit inside of us, right, he's going to glorify himself in and through us, but he will reward us in the new heavens, in the new earth, with the greatest reputation of all, <laughs> and that is himself that we are his sons and his daughters. And my prayer is that as, a, as Christians, that we learn to allow that to be enough, that if no one else knows my name, my father knows. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this, uh, for this time to be able to come and to listen to your word. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts because of the truth be told, all of us, do what we do for some type of recognition or some type of praise, whether it's a, a amongst peers or co-workers, or even if it's just amongst our spouse, we want to be recognized for the things that we do. And oftentimes we are pursuing that recognition for our own glory, and it has nothing to do with you. I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to humble ourselves and to recognize that every single thing in this world should point back to you. That was the point of the Exodus. Not that you wanted to deliver your people from slavery, but that you wanted to glorify your own name in delivering, by delivering your people from slavery. That's the point of the story of David and Goliath. Not that we can exercise our own power to slay our giants, but that you will destroy your people's enemies for your own glory. Help us not to look at ourselves and to receive praise and glory for our actions, but help us in all that we do. Help us to continue to point people to Christ, to glorify him in everything that we say, do, and think. And help us to know that our greatest benefit and our greatest good comes only as he is lifted up and exalted. I ask now, Lord, that you would help us to not chase the fame and the glory and the things of this world, but help us to live for the next world where you have promised to put your name on us because we are your sons and your daughters. We thank you, Lord, 
that you are faithful to us, that you will never forsake us, that you will, will, will give us mercy instead of your wrath, and that in times where we continue to sin against you, you will even discipline us, not because of us, but because you want to make sure we don't defame your name. And I pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to live moment by moment for the glory of your name. We thank you for all of these things. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Um, let us take a moment out before we um, close out. Don't forget, we're not going to um, walk for offering. Right. So you have um, there's an offering envelope on your seat. If you want, you can um, fill those out and just drop it in the basket on your way out the door. Um, or you can continue to um, give online or, you know, by mail, however you, you have been doing. Um, but before we go, um, it's the last Sunday of the month. All right. So we want.